Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, the IIF All About the Green. Very glad to have you with us today. I'm Sonia Gibbs, Managing Director, Head of Sustainable Finance, and this podcast really puts a spotlight on topics and leading experts in this really exciting and rapidly evolving world of sustainable finance. We are delighted to have back with us today one of our very first guests on the podcast, Marissa Buchanan, who's Managing Director and Global Head of Sustainability for J.P. Morgan Chase. Marissa, welcome. Very nice to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Sonia. It's great to be here. Wonderful. And you know, a question that's always so interesting to our audience is, you know, what brought you? How, how did you first get involved in this whole climate finance landscape? It's a trip down memory lane. I got involved in this field more than 20 years ago through my first job out of college, working for a foundation in their environmental grant making program. It was in the early 2000s, and it was right around the time that the European Union's emissions trading scheme was gearing up. And there was a whole lot of interest in the role that business could play in advancing solutions to a whole range of environmental and social challenges, but especially climate, which at the time was gaining a lot of attention, a lot of concern. And the European Union's emissions trading scheme was really, I think, one of the earliest really good examples of using sort of market-based policy solutions to drive environmental change. And business had a huge seat at the table. And it was really, you know, watching that experience and then coming out of the foundation and going back to grad school and then eventually to work for a few different companies that were developing emission reduction projects, both outside of the U.S. and in the U.S., is what really got me into this. And I had the uh, opportunity for a number of years to actually do a lot of project development on the ground, including renewable energy projects with a company that I worked for a number of years ago. And then I also worked for a company developing methane emission reduction projects, working principally with the oil and gas and mining sectors. And it was fascinating for me to really see how to really develop and get off the ground real projects that deliver real environmental results. So it gave me a deep appreciation for, you know, people in a whole range of industries that are really doing the day-to-day hard work of actually developing projects, getting them off the ground, getting the financing, pulling all the pieces together. And it also gave me a a great appreciation and a lot of exposure to finance and the role that finance could play in helping to support the development of these initiatives and projects and get them off the ground. So that work is really what brought me to J.P. Morgan and have really been able to since then work within a large organization, changing the way that we approach financing, both with respect to risk management and also thinking about opportunities and ultimately supporting our clients to make a difference in the real world. And that for me is ultimately what it comes down to, you know, how do we as a business take steps that ultimately drive impact and positive change in the real economy? Well, it's such an interesting set of issues that that you raise in an area where there's been so much change. I mean, you were really kind of on the front lines with companies looking to reduce emissions and and get real results quite early on. And of course, with with GFANS, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, there's a lot of focus on these, these net zero targets and getting from point A to point B, and as you say, supporting your clients. So so maybe tell us, uh, take a step back and look at J.P. Morgan's approach to, to sustainability. You mentioned markets-led approach, for example. 
So the approach for us is really twofold. One is, is a global financial institution. It's really important that we take steps to manage risk, including financial risk that stems from climate-related risks and impacts, as well as opportunities. And then the other piece is really, how do we use our business to drive a positive impact in the world writ large? And in this case, how can we do more to finance companies and projects that are bringing solutions to the market? Things that reduce emissions, whether it's renewable energy projects, energy efficiency, green buildings, but also a whole range of emerging and new technologies, carbon capture sequestration, hydrogen, sustainable agriculture. You know, there's so many interesting solutions and applications that I think collectively the world is going to have to invest in the scaling of internationally in order to address the climate challenge. That for me is, I think, the really exciting piece of what we get to do. Again, it comes back to, on the one hand, making sure that we're managing risk prudently, being thoughtful as an organization, but it's really about how do we use the resources, you know, capital, data, expertise to really support our clients. And ultimately, our clients need capital so that they can go out and invest in all these new and emerging technologies and solutions, how we can be there to better support our clients to meet their financing and capital needs. That's the really exciting part of what we're trying to do. The way that we're doing that takes a few different forms. We've announced within the past sort of year and a half a Paris Aligned Financing Commitment where we've essentially said we are starting to measure the climate performance of our clients so that we can really focus on supporting clients that are operating responsibly and taking steps to reduce their emissions. We've set carbon reduction targets for three sectors initially, oil and gas, electric power, and automotive manufacturing. And we're in the process of working to develop new targets for a range of additional sectors. And that's something we're doing as part of our commitment under the Net Zero Banking Alliance, which we joined last year. And then also, you know, when it comes to supporting our clients with capital, we've announced a 10-year, $2.5 trillion financing target to advance sustainable development in emerging markets as well as in developed markets like the U.S. And in particular, we're leaning deep into supporting our efforts around green and climate action. We have a $1 trillion sub-target of our $2.5 trillion target overall, specifically for green and climate action. And this is really getting to how are we bringing capital solutions to the table for our clients, whether it's lending, raising capital through underwriting activity, investments and others. We're really excited about all that. And then lastly, I'll just say we are investing a whole lot internally in the organizational capacity of JP Morgan to support our clients in all of this activity. So I always say it's one thing to announce a sort of commitment or a target. It's another thing to actually build the internal capability and resources to be able to deliver on that commitment. So we've been hiring people in key positions across the bank creating new teams like our Center for Carbon Transition. We have a green economy team within our commercial banking business, supporting small middle market companies. For us, it's ultimately about making sure that we have people in client facing and revenue generating roles with the right set of expertise and with the right knowledge to be able to help our clients. So that for me has been, I think, one of the most exciting aspects of the work that, you know, my team and I have been able to do at JP Morgan and ultimately something that I think is going to position us to be a leader in climate solutions for our clients in the years to come. You know, Marissa, you mentioned three areas that are that are so interesting. For example, 
a smaller or medium-sized firm and you're looking to step up on climate commitments, you're going to be looking just to see how industry leaders are doing this. So you mentioned a Paris-aligned financing commitment. You mentioned carbon reduction targets, including for some very hard-to-abate sectors and internal investment. So when you think about that in the context of your own work, you know, just on a very practical level as, as head of sustainability for JP Morgan, how does all of this work in practice in your work with different groups and parts of the business around the world? Well, you know, for us, it requires a lot of strategy, but also ultimately a lot of internal coordination. JP Morgan is a very large institution, four lines of business operating globally, serving multiple clients in different industry segments. You know, as you said, Sonia, small companies, medium-sized companies, very large companies. We also have individual retail customers. We have institutional investors as clients. We serve the global economy. And so all of this work for us ultimately requires a lot of coordination and collaboration with different parts of our organization. It's actually, for me, I think one of the most interesting and and fun parts of of the job that I get to do on a day-to-day basis. And I really see this organizational change as I've started to call it, you know, it's, it's what transition looks like for a bank. You know, it means making sure that we have the right people with the right expertise and the right roles. Certainly, you know, my team plays a huge role in all this. And, you know, we do a lot of that high-level strategy work and dot connecting. But ultimately, for a bank, to serve our clients, it means having, you know, the right people and the right client-facing and revenue-generating roles. So, you know, I'm really proud of the work that we've been able to do. Obviously, you know, we've got a lot more to do. We're just scratching the surface in many ways. But, you know, I'm really excited about what we've done so far and what we've been able to achieve. And uh, we have a lot more to do. And I think, you know, the wind is our backs and the fact that we've got so much momentum from policymakers around the world, from our investors, and from so many of our clients and customers who really see a need and an opportunity for the business community and banks in particular to do more on sustainability and climate. That's something that I'm really excited and heartened about. It's so interesting when you think about the strategy that you're describing. When we think about our work here at the IIF, one of the things we do is try to build financial services industry consensus around some of these key issues like how to manage climate risk and how to capitalize on on opportunities and also engagement with policymakers and regulators. So this kind of dialogue is so important. But when you think about your collaboration with groups like ours, like the IIF, how would you describe it? Well, IAF has been a key partner of ours for a very long time. You know, we have many other partners in this space that we work really closely with. It is so important to have groups like IAF bringing representatives from the banking industry and the financial services industry together from around the world. One of the things, Sonia, as you know well, the policy and regulatory landscape, it is not monolithic. And there are changes happening around the world in different jurisdictions at varying paces. And some of the activity and approaches to the way that regulators and policymakers are approaching sustainability and climate issues is different. And it's really important to have, you know, a group like the IIF convene members of the industry and, you know, talk about both challenges and opportunities with respect to these developments globally 
I think the sharing of information is really important, but it's ultimately about how do you take the knowledge and expertise that industry has and use it to inform the way that policy and regulation ultimately get shaped. We all have a common end goal in the sense that we think having sensible, practical policy and regulation is really important. And, you know, a lot of these issues are really complicated. And I think this is where the industry brings a set of expertise and perspectives to the table that ultimately are really important and can be helpful in making sure that policies and regulations ultimately get shaped in a way that they achieve their intended goals and outcomes. This is also something, as you know, well, Sonia and IAF has been really engaged in you know, trying to make sure that policies and regulations around the world evolve in a way where there is some level of consistency. That's really important for global multinational companies like JP Morgan and so many others to make sure that there is some level of harmonization. Of course, we know it's not going to be sort of perfect and universal, but to the extent that we see the landscape shaping in a way that has everyone sort of moving in the same direction, that's really helpful. And it's been great to have IAF as a partner in all this work. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, your partnership and support. You know, the perspectives that you bring to our discussions are, are tremendously helpful. But, you know, it's a, it's a difficult task, right? But maybe on a positive note, it's one of the areas of policy where regulators and industry and policymakers have so many common goals. It's such an urgent issue, climate finance, and we have strong mutual interests. So it's good to take that forward. Maybe you could uh, take a look in your crystal ball and think about how markets are evolving. If the job of banks and financial services firms is to intermediate capital, move it to where it's needed, how do you see bond, you know, fixed income markets and equity markets, how are they changing, you know, and shifting toward a more sustainable future? So we've seen a lot of really positive developments And yet, I think we continue to see a gap between what I call the ambition and reality. In order to address climate change, collectively, we need to achieve much more in terms of dramatic emission reductions than the trajectory we're on today, which, candidly, we're not on that path. So the question really becomes, how do you start to change that trajectory? Obviously, if you look across our economy globally, we do see some significant areas of progress. Development of wind and solar, for example, has been a real bright spot. We've seen the rise of natural gas displacing, you know, the use of coal-fired power in many instances, again, contributing to significant emission reductions. I think one of the big challenges we face is around how do we advance emission reductions in what are sort of known as hard-to-abate sectors, things where there are not sort of readily commercially available solutions that exist today to reduce emissions from the use of hydrocarbons. And those are challenges that we face in sectors like aviation, steel, cement, heavy transportation, and industry writ large, where we don't have the capabilities, for example, to use renewables for some of those applications. So this is where I think there's a huge opportunity to continue to invest, not just in the development, but especially around the commercialization of new technologies, applications where technologies may exist, but where the cost profile may not be at a level where, you know, you can actually attract commercial financing. So this is where I think we have a huge opportunity to do more work in the financing space. And it it provides an opportunity, I think, really for the public and private sectors to work together, to collaborate, to really figure out how to bring the cost profile down of some of these technologies 
And also, you know, are there things that policymakers and regulators can do to continue to advance some of this commercialization as well? In some instances, the barriers that exist to greater development and commercialization may not necessarily be all cost related. You know, if you look at, for example, things like carbon capture sequestration, a big piece of it is making sure that you can actually get projects permitted, that you can figure out some of the legal hurdles to sequestration. So I always say it's sort of digging beneath the surface of finance to actually figure out what are the real challenges that exist and making sure that we can isolate and really understand those so that we can develop appropriate solutions to some of those specific challenges. Now, that said, I'm feeling really optimistic. I think we've seen a lot of great progress on the technology front, but we're going to need a whole lot more investment. We as a bank would love to see a price on carbon enacted to further accelerate investment in alternative lower carbon technologies. I think the reality is that's probably not looking like a possibility in the near term. So the opportunity becomes, how do you continue to deploy capital and look for other ways to make progress, recognizing that you know a price on carbon probably isn't feasible politically in the near term, at least in the U.S., but it's something we're going to continue to push for and look for as many areas of opportunity as we potentially can. I think it's a really hopeful note to, to end our conversation on. You make so many good points about the need to bring down the cost of the new technologies, the need for public-private collaboration, and of course, you know, the really important role of, of policy in enabling all of this. So Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really interesting conversation, and I know that our audience will really enjoy it. As always, thank you. If you're interested in listening to this show and for more episodes of All About the Green, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Thanks so much.